welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. Today's moment comes from the cantata Actus Tragicus, otherwise known as Gottes Zeit ist die Allerbeste Zeit, BWV 106. The lower three voices, alto, tenor, and bass, are singing a relentless and almost damning declaration of inevitable death for all of mankind. Es ist der alte Bund. It is the old law. Mensch, du musst sterben. Humankind, you must die. Conveyed musically through chromaticism, dissonance in the vocal parts, and an almost law-like continuous eighth note rhythmic pulse in the continuo. The recorders and gamba only come in when the soprano begins her arioso. When the instruments come in, their melody is a chorale tune, Ich hab mein Sach Gott heimgestellt which, like the rest of this cantata, also refers to God's timing and death and submitting to his will. Then, the soprano sings, Ja, Herr Jesu, komm. Hopefully, and in a way pleadingly over and over again, Bach beautifully illustrates the juxtaposition between death under the law of the Old Covenant and mortal death in general, and the hope of resurrection and eternal life through Jesus. By having both the soprano and the altos, tenors, and basses sing their parts simultaneously, I think Bach is highlighting the fulfillment of the Old Covenant in Jesus, and that Jesus has the final word, shown in the soprano singing all alone with no instrumental accompaniment at the end. Death has been silenced because Herr Jesu came. These are the words of our listener, Talon, who suggested this moment. It was very eloquently written there by Talon. Yeah. So unlike our last episode, this funeral piece actually has a funeral text, and it's, it's very preachy. It, it tells us what to do. It's moral instruction. We explored this cantata and a sort of unifying rhythmic theme that ties it together, along with its truly stunning opening sonatina, which is texturally with the recorders like nothing else that I've ever heard in, in Baroque music, even Bach. And we did that in our eighth episode of our first season. But the funeral text goes like this. God's time is the very best time. In him we live, move, and are as long as he wills. In him we die at the proper time, when he wills. 
first half of that is anonymous poetry, and then the second is biblical from the Book of Acts. The next two sections are instructional. Lord, so that we may become wise, teach us to ponder that we must die, from Psalm 90. Then put your house in order, for you will die and not remain living, which is from Isaiah chapter 38. What happens next is our selection for today. I'm going to come back to it because I want to say the other text first. The rest of the text is as follows. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You have redeemed me, Lord, you faithful God. It's from Psalm 31, but listeners might recognize into your hands I commend my spirit as something that Jesus says when he dies. Today you will be with me in paradise. Another thing that Jesus said right before he died, but he said it to the man that was being executed next to him, who professed belief in Jesus right at that last moment. And here we see Bach's theological slash musical mind at work because he's able to balance two complementary thoughts simultaneously in the music. That's what I think makes it so brilliant. With peace and joy I go there, that is, to heaven, according to God's will. I am consoled, my heart and mind gentle and quiet. And then there's even a whole praise and honor and glory, amen thing at the end. So it does not actually end sad. So on the surface, it's a funeral cantata about maintaining faith in Jesus and an instructional manual about what to do before you die. But the way Bach sets simultaneous texts to music from two different parts of the Bible or two seemingly contradictory texts is what really sells it for me, I think. Yeah, and I think that the structure of this cantata is different than the later Leipzig cantatas, and that works to its favorite thematically. These early cantatas had a freer structure. They typically weren't quite as influenced by Italian opera as the later stuff. Bach was aware of it, but he the, the influence of the Italian opera became a lot more obvious in his later cantatas. Those he would typically connect with recitatives, and the recitatives serve an important function because they get you—they're they're usually poetry in the cantatas— 
not scripture, although sometimes they're scripture, and they get you in the mood for the message of what the aria is about to be. And then a lot of times with those later cantatas, the final movement is a chorale. It's very common. And the chorale usually expresses some sort of wrapping up of the theme of the cantata that usually has something to do with the gospel. Sometimes that first chorus, the opening chorus is law, and then the final chorale is gospel. That's not always true, but it's kind of a neat pattern. And here you get a similar a similar sort of deal. But the recitatives are not in this. There, there, there aren't any, right? I mean, not really. No, it's more continuous. It's all connected by, by these little mini yeah. movements. Yeah, it's all continuous. And to me, uh, that's better because it's, it's just so much more cohesive. And he's able to move between moods, which are called affects, right? He's able to move, move between them without feeling like he has to complete a whole thing each time he does it. So at the beginning, for example after the symphonia, which gives us a mood of sort of somber. I, I don't know, it, it's, it's somber and it's reflective, but it's also in a major key, so it's not, it's not terribly somber yet. And then he gives us a, a perfectly happy and, and sunny first exposition of the choir. God's time is the very best time. like these wonderful little major triad things, very simple. But then he moves out of that part of the text into, uh, eventually he gets to the, that sterben, which, which is a word that Bach always lingers on and means die, right? To die. And in him, we die at the proper time. But even though this text is about like acceptance of death and dying at the proper time, Bach cannot help but give us a little drama on the word. Sterben there. But then that brings us into this next little tenor arioso, but that doesn't last very long until the bass comes in. So he's always keeping us on our toes on this cantata. Yeah. The movements aren't all that delineated. This earlier style shows more of a different influence. You were saying, Alex, that, that in his later life, it was Italians that influenced him. And here, it's Germans. It's a Buxtehude, mostly. You can really feel the influence of Dietrich Buxtehude, the composer that Bach so greatly admired and maybe even traveled a long distance to visit. And we have to also remember that this at this time that he wrote this, this was earlier in his life. So he was in Mühlhausen. He wasn't even in Weimar yet. So these cantatas really bear the mark of like the old Lutheran North German masters. I mean, Bach was 22 years old when he wrote Gotteszeit. Yeah, I mean, if if we're right about that scholarship, right, which I think there's some doubt about it, but it's it's mostly right. But there there is a great little line in, in this uh, Whitaker book. This is the Cantatas of Johann Sebastian Bach by W. Gillies Whitaker. The book is a little older. I think it's the from the 80s. But he makes the point that it has been assigned to that date that you gave it, but it's also possibly four or five years later. And Whitaker makes this point that in spite of certain youthful qualities, the cantata would almost seem too flawless for this stage of his career. <laughs> like 
how could he have written it that young? Do you know? Because he, and this is another great line from the book here. He's talking about the other Mulhausen cantatas. Then he gets to this one, Gotthard's Zeit. He said, interesting as all those cantatas are there, there are evidences of immaturity. <laughs> Suddenly at one bound, apparently, we don't know how many cantatas came between, he leaps into consummate mastery in the well-known Gotthard's Zeit. At once one of the most popular and one of the most perfect of cantatas. Never again did he achieve the continuous tenderness and elevated spiritual feeling in just the same way that it is found here. It remains unique. That's a really nice way of putting of putting it because Bach wrote amazing quantities of amazingly emotional music, but none of them have this quite this character. No. Do they? This one's special. This one is special. It's a little more tender. Yeah, despite having extremely heavy moments of text, it's not musically heavy or particularly sad throughout. It has truly bright and shimmering moments of happiness. And also it's light and yet also like orchestrationally dark because of the very conspicuous lack of a certain high bright instrument, which is violins. No violins. The instrumentation, very purposefully chosen for sort of a funeral timbre, is two older instruments, older string instruments, viola da gamba, and then two old flutes, which are now known as recorders. So even the timbre is softer and kind of more veiled and dark, but it's just somehow not sad. The Gotteszeit chorus and then the ending chorus are some of the happiest music that, parts of it is some of the happiest music that he ever wrote. It's, It's strange. Talon said in the um, episode suggestion that this cantata is already interesting because of the instrumentation, having no violins for one thing, and also that there are too many glorious moments in this piece. But if we have to just pick one, the ending is amazingly powerful and it being the only point of true full stop in the entire cantata makes it all the more impactful. The ending of this movement. When I first heard this, I was left speechless and am still in awe of its profound meaning beauty and brilliant craftsmanship we definitely agree yeah i mean this this is i i've mentioned this before when hinting about this but when i listened to this for the first time i had not heard this cantata i listened to it in headphones while watching the netherlands box society video it was late at night when we got to that moment i i just gasped i mean i couldn't believe it there's also it's also a really nice cinematography happening in that moment in the video where you get that aerial shot of the church inside of the church but just the the effect of that the effect of the instruments and then the rest of the choir going away and then all the continuous stuff leaving except for just the pulsing low note and then the soprano with the sort of plaintive call getting the last word there the bass just fades out and then her voice is just kind of hanging there and like it like kind of tumbles down hangs there for a second and then stops apparently in the middle of a phrase like it does not feel finished no but it's perfect Some Bach works are, you know, not finished. And the first time I heard this, I wondered, I truly wondered, is it not done? Yeah, me too. But 
also in the back of your head, it's like, of course, it's this is what this is how it is because it's not. There's no real scholarship that supports a theory that there's a missing chunk of scoring right there. No, and it just it's so perfect that it, unfortunately we don't have the original manuscript, but it is there in the early draft that we do have, which is actually also where we get the title Actus Tragicus, which always seemed a little dramatic of a title for me, but that's because it was added later. Yeah. Do we know who wrote that? It's Pencil. Yeah. There's an early manuscript in 1768 and you can see it online and on IMSLP. It's the 1768 one. Clearly not in box handwriting, if you're familiar with box handwriting, but at that moment in the manus- in this old manuscript, it is just as written is just as we hear. Everything just sort of peters out one by one. And then meanwhile, in the background, which you, I can't imagine that even all of the German listeners caught this. I guess maybe they did, but I don't know how they could have. When we hear the instruments enter, the recorders and the viola da gamba, a chorale tune is heard. Ich habe mein Sach Gott heimgestellt. The words of that chorale, I mean, once you start reading, you think, of course, it's exactly Gottes Zeit themed. I have left all that concerns me up to God. Let him do whatever he wants with me. If I continue to live on here still longer without striving against him, I will surrender myself to his will. Mm. And then the second stanza starts this way. My time and hour will be when God wills. I do not dictate to him any bounds. It's exactly on theme. And so without even using those words, Bach included that melody. I suppose if you were a church-going German of this time, you might have noticed, but it's hard to hear, and I really tried, and I eventually discovered that it's in the first viola da gamba. It's not actually, it's not even the recorders that are Whoa. doing it. Yeah, and it's syncopated and altered in a few ways, rhythmically. So the power here comes from an understanding of why the text works so well as as well. The the text drives the whole thing. That's why we know this is an incomplete or that Bach actually stopped writing in the middle of the page right here, even though it seems like it almost is what happened. But we know it's not because the text, it begins with a strange angular dissonant subject that becomes a fugue. It is the Old Covenant. Es ist der alte Bund. It's a shape of a fugue subject that Bach loved to use, actually. Mm, It reminds me a lot of one from the Well-Tempered Clavier. It also sounds a lot like uh, the And By His Stripes We Are Healed from Handel's Messiah, which, because this is an early work by Bach, this is actually like 40 years before (laughs) Messiah. It's that that long. Well, 30 years. It's, It's definitely written first. Oh, yeah. That span that's very dissonant from the highest note to the lowest note. Bum, bum. The diminished seventh, that's that's something that sort of conveys extraordinary pain. He does use it in Fugue 16 from the first book of the Well-Tempered Clavier. And it's almost the same, actually. It's In that case, it's... Bum, 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 bum. And then this is... Bum, 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 bum. Hmm. Almost exactly the same which is kind of curious because it makes you wonder if when he was sitting down to write the fugue subjects that he consciously started thinking of his older works, you know, to think of what would make good fugue subjects. Hmm. 
But you're right, Alex. It's it's a thing that was used frequently in this era of music. And then Mozart copies it for the Kyrie eleison in the Requiem as well. That same sort of span between the upper and lower notes. Yeah. It's not just the the interval, but it's also just like the angularity of the mm-hmm. the way the text interacts with the the interval. You know, it's just the the whole thing, and it's not it's not ornamented. It's it's just like strict. You know, it's it's painting the picture perfectly what the text is, which is this is the old law, right? This is the law and gospel thing again that I was talking about before. This is the old law, and it's kind of the most um, strict law there is, right? Which is that man must die, right? And and then the juxtaposition of the soprano singing a prayer, come Lord Jesus, come, and the way that is ornamented, it's just perfectly personal. The choir gets to sing this angular thing, the rest of the choir, that is. And then she gets, and I love the choice to have one soprano sing that in mm-hmm. this recording it's not always done that she gets just this personal prayer and it, it's fully ornamented i mean it's it sounds like like a cry it's completely separate from the other thing and it's the thing that as talon said it's the thing that prevails at the end that the prayer is the only thing that's heard but i i actually kind of felt differently than talon did about what the meaning of that moment is for me it feels like the, the prayer the person praying everything else has just like been completely shut out of their mind you know even the old law right yeah but but i guess what i'm saying is for me it doesn't feel it it doesn't feel like that's that's jesus there yet you know what i mean because we're still we're still yet to have the jesus crucifixion part happen because we haven't got to the into your hands i commend my spirit thing yet so i think i think this is like an unanswered prayer as of yet until the end of the cantata and that's why it just goes off into nothing yeah you know and it's kind of more realistic right of how prayer can work sometimes where in the this is a very common experience for the christian religion which is that prayer doesn't always get answered at least not right away and not always the way you want and that prayer is left completely unanswered right there at at least temporarily Mm -hmm. of course it does get answered at the end or another angle is that since jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant simply by mentioning him and singing of him above the other three parts that Bach is saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant. And that's just like a biblical truth that comes from the contrast between the Old and New Testament. So we're singing in this Mm. old style. We're singing an old, slow fugue in the antiquated style. And then in comes this soprano singing in a more modern style, Mm -hmm. singing the New Testament. So over the old comes the new and the new has the last word because it's it cancels the debts of the old and jesus is you know the sacrifice uh, that stood in the place for the old sacrifices and out with the old in with the new you know that reflects the form of the of the cantata the form of the cantata reflects the form of the bible actually the very middle section this moment that we keep talking about this this wonderful moment with the soprano prayer is the middle of the work Mm, yeah definitely and it is it's basically the middle and we know that Bach thought that way oh yeah sort of symmetry 
Yeah. This is the part part number four of seven texted parts of the cantata. If you break the big long ones into the subsections, which you, which we should, then this is the, this is the middle. This is the exact middle. Right. And then the as as you said, the into your hand I commit my spirit is after that, which even though it is from Psalms, it's what Jesus says. You get the you get the plea from the other man on the cross who was being crucified next to Jesus. You get the the gospel promise at the end. You get the comfort of knowing what happens when you die. You must die. That is the ancient law. That doesn't go away. But something is added to that. The comfort is added to that. The gospel story is added to that. And after that moment, in that silence, which is the most powerful moment because of what preceded it, the silence is given a fermata in the score. Not just a rest, but a particular marking in a score which tells you to hold a note. Usually, it's on a note, but here, it's on a rest for every part, also known as a grand pause. Pretty unusual. And that is present in the oldest version we have. Yes, and it's there after that soprano prayer trails off there. And that's why when you hear recordings of this, almost everybody does a good job of waiting long enough there, you know, not rushing into the next movement there. Because it's marked there. I mean, it, he wants to hold on to that silence. Yeah, and that's even after the rest of the measure of resting. So like that very last Yesu, what's written is, Yesu, two and three and four and rest with a long pause on it also. So it really is, it really is written out silence for dramatic effect and that thing that we sometimes hear about music where silence is just as important as the notes sometimes that kind of seems like a silly thing to say but here we go perfect illustration of when it's true yeah and the way that they do the videography for the netherlands box society in this moment is also very stunning it literally like i said took my breath away when i watched it so yeah i mean i can't i can't say enough about that performance specifically that moment in that performance. One of the great all-time moments of Bach, I think. orchestra or the continuo the bass line being that thing that is the most modern about Bach's musical style it chugs along eighth note eighth note eighth note and it keeps going but in the end even it starts to die away and it could represent the oldness of the old law or the humanity that must be fully surrendering to Jesus either way it's only Jesus that remains at the end and maybe that's the moment of death. You know, we've been hearing, man, you must die, you must die, and there's this insistence there, and then, then the music stops. And the last thing that happened was that prayer to Jesus, right? That prayer, yeah, that prayer that you could imagine praying as someone's last words. Yes, come Lord Jesus. It is the second to last verse in the Bible as well, in the book of Revelation. Revelation. 
And now, here is that soprano solo moment from Gottes Zeit ist die allerbeste Zeit. If this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of this amazing cantata performed by the Netherlands Bach Society, check out the link in the episode description. Again, I suggest listening to it with good speakers. If you want to hear our new episodes as we release them, all you have to do is hit the subscribe button on your podcast player, and then you will get each new episode downloaded directly to your device without having to think about it. Also, if you've been listening to us for a while, Now's a great time to leave a review on iTunes is a great place to leave a review for us. We love to see those reviews and it also helps us in the algorithm. When we get more reviews, the podcast shows up on more people's feeds and more people hear about it. So Alex, what is our next episode about? Next episode, we'll take another listener suggestion. Listener Edward suggested we talk about an organ piece, BWV662. Chorale Prelude on Allein Gott in der Höhe sei er. One of the great 18 chorale preludes. Until next time, enjoy those moments. <laughs>